Classic Crew, and welcome to today's episode of the Classic Girls Guide. I'm so happy to be back for another episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the revamped version of my podcast. My husband's point in an older podcast was well taken. I called my initial podcast Classically Abby Live, and the fact of the matter is, this podcast isn't live, in case you guys hadn't figured that out. It is edited in advance, and that stood out to me, as well as I didn't feel like it really gave you guys an idea of what we talk about here on my podcast. So what we talk about is classic living, traditional values, dating and relationships, and that's the stuff that I think is really important, and I get to be able to talk about it in a slightly more open way here on my Substack because it's a premium subscriber exclusive. But let's get started today with my weekly recap catching up with me. I'm excited to chat a little bit. If you guys used to watch my channel about a year ago, I did something called The Scoop, and I would do that every single week. And in every episode, I would just give you guys a little update about where I was at. I would also kind of go over some news things. And I think this is kind of the mini version of that, where I kind of give you an update about where I'm at. And if there's something in the news that's really interesting, uh, I'll, I'll comment on that as well. But generally, we're going to keep it more personal and just here's where I'm at. So let's start off with talking about a little pregnancy update. Uh, I am 28 weeks officially when this podcast comes out, which means I am officially into the third trimester. It means that we're only 12 weeks away from little man being born, and that is super exciting and also a little scary because, uh, well, I'm going to get into it, but we are moving. So <laughs> this is not going to be just simple, okay, let's set up the house and get everything ready. The nesting instinct has been put on hold while we get everything into our new house. So before we get into that, uh, being 28 weeks, one of the really amazing things about it is just the kicking is constant, and I love it. I love feeling my little baby kick. It is the best feeling in the world. Uh, sometimes he'll wake me up in the middle of the night, and I don't mind. Uh, it's kind of like having company. He is hanging out with me and <laughs> rolling around and doing whatever he's doing in there, and it's so fun. He is definitely showing me his personality already, and that's really, really exciting. I think of him as a very sweet boy because he he doesn't tend to respond to like me putting my hand on my stomach or if I like poke back when he kicks. He doesn't really kick back and I think it's because he he feels like, oh, okay, I probably shouldn't do that. If if somebody is responding to me doing something, maybe I shouldn't be doing that right now. <laughs> it just makes me think he's really sweet and kind. Uh, but who knows, right? We never know when the baby's in, in utero. But we'll see what his personality is like when he's born, and then we'll know if I'm right. Uh, it's it's an exciting, exciting time. Uh, for any of you guys who've had babies, I would love if you would share your feelings about feeling kicks. And if you haven't had babies yet, I would love to know your thoughts on it. I remember that was the thing I was most excited about for getting pregnant, was feeling little baby kicks. And it has lived up to the hype. <laughs> it is amazing, and I absolutely love it. So now we can get on to the next thing, which is moving. So we're not doing a very big move. We're actually just moving next door. Uh, the house we are in has some problems that have not been dealt with very well. And so we are going to be moving next door so that we don't have to deal with those, especially with a newborn. 
And um, I'm actually very excited about moving next door because the layout of the house is just a little bit better. There's one more bedroom and the space is just more well apportioned for what we are looking for. Um, but we are moving and that is always a little stressful. So we have to figure out kind of how we're going to do that. We don't need to do a huge situation of moving, of packing everything up and unpacking because it's literally next door, but we also do need to figure out, okay, how are we going to move this much stuff? How many trips do we want to make? Um, and it means that I can't really start to get the nursery ready because we don't have a place to set up the nursery quite yet. Uh, so hopefully we can get all this done before little man arrives. I'm sure we will, but it is kind of stressful. Just, you know, there is this really big urge to want to clean out and get everything ready for my son's arrival, but you can't really do that when you're moving. Things are just a little up in the air. So hopefully we can, uh, get everything moved and then I can start nesting then. But I'm looking forward to setting up the nursery. I'm looking forward to all of our stuff being delivered. The shipping delays are no fun at all, my friends. I have made orders way back at the beginning of November and only just am getting a delivery date for some time in January. So we'll see. I mean, that's not terrible. If it comes in January, we should be absolutely fine since the baby's not due until the end of March. But if anything gets delayed more, we're starting to get into dangerous territory. So uh, I don't necessarily have a date for the glider yet. And the dresser for his room is supposed to be coming in the middle of January. So let's see, we'll just hope that it all comes and everything can get set up before before I go into labor. Uh, so that's where we're at with that. But we are getting baby shipments every day now and because we're moving, I can't like put them in the nursery. They're just kind of in a big space in our house. They're just like in the middle of the room. <laughs> so I've gotten my breast pump in, I've gotten the crib, I've gotten the car seat. It's fun and exciting to see all of these big packages come in for our son. I just can't wait to meet him. I can't wait to be a mom. But I'm also really enjoying pregnancy, so I don't want to rush that. It's just a really special time. So that is my update for today. And before we get into the main topic of today's podcast, make sure to stay tuned for the very end so that you can hear the classic tip of the week. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. It's a, just a good piece of advice for a colder season. So now let's get into today's main topic, which is everything I did wrong when I was dating. <laughs> now, as you guys know, dating is never easy. It's not really as fun as people want you to believe because there's so much uncertainty, so much instability. And so there's a lot of mistakes to be made when dating. Now, even if you make mistakes, you will end up with the right person. I mean, I made all of the mistakes I'm about to talk about, and I got married to my amazing husband, and I'm very happy. So even if you make these mistakes, it's okay, and dating is sort of a, is sort of a comedy of errors. But it's always good to know what you can avoid earlier rather than later so that you don't have to keep learning on, on the job. So I'm excited to share the things that I did wrong so that hopefully you guys can take from that and not make those same mistakes. So let's start off with this. I used to test men to see if they would still be interested in me even though my career was something that didn't really jive with the lifestyle I purported to want. So I was dating in the Jewish community and in the Orthodox Jewish community, we value traditional values. We value classic living. We value a mom and a dad who are at home with the kids and a daily life that is conducive to a big, happy family. 
And I said I wanted those things, but I would also introduce myself by talking about how I was going to be an opera singer. And I would have to travel for six weeks at a time, and whoever I married would just have to be on board with that. Now, does that sound like a great way to start a relationship? (laughs) Does that sound like a great way to get a guy interested? Not really, right? I was definitely kind of testing men to see, okay, are you really going to like me even if I give you this test, even if I give you this information that clearly is not conducive to the lifestyle I say that I want and that you definitely want? And of course, a lot of men were like, no, thank you. I'm not interested. I, You might be a very nice girl, but that's not the kind of life I see for myself and the kind of life I want to give my children. And they were absolutely fair in feeling that way. I was kind of pushing the boundaries to see how they would respond instead of saying the truth, which is that I was flexible. I wanted to be an opera singer, but if that didn't work out because that wasn't the lifestyle that would lead to the family that I wanted, then I would be willing to look at other options, which is what exactly what happened when I got married. I realized that being an opera singer just wasn't going to be conducive to the lifestyle that I wanted, and so I shifted. And now I'm doing something that I'm much happier doing, and I really love and enjoy, and gives me meaning and purpose, and is conducive to a family. But initially... When I would meet these men that I was very interested in, I felt like I had to say immediately what I was going to be doing with my life. And the fact of the matter is, at 23, no one knows what they're doing with their life for the long term. None of us are going to know exactly what everything is going to look like. So you can say what you want to do. But you also have to be realistic about, okay, so if that's what you want to do, is that conducive to the lifestyle that you want? And if it's not, well, maybe... Maybe you're being unrealistic. Maybe it's not about the guy being bad for not supporting your dreams, but maybe you need to reconsider, is this the lifestyle that I really want? Is traveling for six weeks away from my kids and away from my husband what I really want? For me, it was not. And the answer was very clear once I was actually married. So that was mistake number one. Mistake number two was laughing at men if they disagreed with me because I had too much contempt for their opinions. Now, this is just not nice to do anytime, but I think that I was a little bit arrogant about my opinions because they are not as common as leftist opinions. And so if a man on a date expressed his leftist ideology or even something to the left of what I believed, which doesn't necessarily mean leftist, it just means not as far right, I would be rude and I would be contemptuous and I couldn't necessarily even back it up that well at the time. I hadn't done enough research. I just knew I believed what I believed and if you disagreed with me, well then ha ha, you must be stupid. Now this is a terrible, terrible way to treat people and I really regret that. Um, It's okay for you to recognize this person doesn't have things in common with me that are really important moving forward, but you don't have to be mean about it. And especially to men, it's Being disrespectful to them in that way, it's not conducive to a good date, but it's also just really undermines their confidence. That's not a good thing. So having a conversation where you disagree and being polite about it, that's good. That's a very good thing because it allows you to figure out, okay, where does this person stand and are we on the same page? And if you're not, then move on. 
But being so contemptuous, being so rude, especially at that age, when I really didn't have a clear understanding of why I believed what I believed, I just knew that I believed it. That's not a good plan at all. (laughs) And it really wasn't uh, something I would recommend when you're dating. The third thing I did wrong when I was dating was I didn't allow for natural silences in the conversation. So there were two downsides to this. The first was that when I would go on a date, I really didn't like silences. This is something I've had to come to terms with over time is that there are natural silences that are okay in a conversation and I don't have to be the one who fills them. (laughs) It's a hard lesson for me to learn. Um, But when I was dating, I, I hadn't learned that yet. And so I would go on dates with men who didn't talk very much. And so I would talk a lot. And at the end of the date, a lot of guys thought that the date had gone really, really well. And I had given them the impression that this was a great date because the conversation never seemed to stop. But I did not have a very good time. I did not like being in a position where I had to talk and talk and talk and fill all those silences. And so I was kind of giving men the impression that this date had gone really, really well when in my mind it had not gone well at all. And that wasn't good because it misled men and it made them think that things had gone better than they had. But the other issue is that generally in dating, this is something that I've learned, extroverts and introverts are attracted to each other. Now this isn't always the case, but it is very often the case. And I am actually more of an extroverted introvert. I can be very extroverted and there are really wonderful times that I just enjoy being around people, But I also need alone time and I also need time to recharge and I don't like pressure to have to fill every silence. I don't like it. And so by being somebody who constantly filled the silences, I was giving men the impression that I was a very extroverted person. And what would happen was I would attract introverts, which was not my type at all because as another introvert, I was kind of (laughs) bored. As soon as I realized this about myself, I met Jacob, who is the most extroverted human being that has ever walked the planet. And it's great for me because I can sit back and relax and he can take the lead and I enjoy it. I love it. Now, there are times that, you know, that extroverted part of me comes out and we can butt heads a little bit, but it's not the same issue that I had before of feeling bored when I was going out with introverted men because it just wasn't, it wasn't a good fit. So filling those silences that are, so allowing for natural silences so that you can really figure out how the chemistry is playing out, as well as figuring out the extroverted versus introverted sort of conundrum is important. You want to make sure that you are allowing the conversation to flow naturally instead of sort of railroading it down a more comfortable direction, but that doesn't actually give you a good amount of information. One of my big mistakes when I was dating was allowing myself to be clingy with texting. Now, I'm sure we've all struggled with this. Texting while dating is the worst. I actually stopped doing that. Uh, I stopped texting altogether unless it was to make plans when Jacob and I got together. uh, And I, the best guys I've dated, the guys who I've dated and it has been the most serious, have been the guys who have done the same, who have treated texting like it is more of a pager service of like, we're going to meet at this time at this place, as opposed to full conversations through text. And my mistake was that I, even if I was busy, I could reach for my phone and text someone at any given moment of the day. And so I would wonder why isn't he doing the same? 
It's actually better for the man that you're dating not to be glued to his phone and not to text you all the time. But often, for me, I felt like I wanted to have that connection, and so I would text more frequently than the guy would, which gave the impression that I didn't really have a busy life, which I did. I just was able to text from my phone even when I was busy, which isn't, which wasn't good for me. It's not good to be on your phone and have it, you know, attached to your hip. So by doing that, I was giving men the impression that I didn't have enough to do with my time, maybe I was too clingy. And it's not that it scares men off, it's just not an attractive quality to, to know that someone doesn't have their own life and their own things going on. Um, so that is something I don't recommend. Don't be clingy with texting, I definitely fell into that trap. And it's a much better situation when both people agree not to use texting as a conversational outlet. Okay, so the last thing I did wrong when I was dating, at least for this podcast, because I'm sure I did many more things, I could probably do a part two to this, is I didn't believe men when they told me the truth about who they were, because I would be infatuated with the chemistry. So I remember I dated a few guys who I, on a first date, was like, oh my gosh, the chemistry is amazing, everything's incredible, it's perfect. Even though I had asked the big questions or at least kind of clarified my position on the big questions and they had said, "Uh, I'm not sure I agree with your future plans. (laughs) And even though they had given me that answer in my head, even though I had gotten the answer to the big question, I ignored it because I was too infatuated with the chemistry of the situation. That was a big mistake. So... You know, if you're going to ask the big questions, you actually have to listen to the answers. You can't just let yourself get taken in by the chemistry and the infatuation of a, of a good date. You have to hear what the other person is saying. Because if a guy is telling you one thing, he's telling it to you for a reason. And that was something I really, I, I made that mistake a couple of different times. And it was painful for me because I hadn't taken to heart the real answer, which was, no, we're not going to be compatible. So those are all the things I did wrong when I was dating, or at least many of them. If you'd like to hear a part two for this, let me know in the comments. I'd love to hear. But I'm glad you stayed tuned till the very end for today's classic tip. When the weather gets a little bit colder, a great idea is finding a scarf that really accentuates your coloring since it's going to be right by your face. So I think people kind of treat scarves like, oh, it's just something I throw on to keep warm. But if you find the perfect scarf for you, something that is very beautiful against your skin tone, it will do wonders because it is right up against your face. It can make you look sallow or it can make you look beautiful. It can make you look dull or it can make you look sparkling. So finding the perfect scarf color that really makes you look your best is a great and easy way to brighten up your features. I really highly recommend finding a color that you know you love and that looks good on you. For me, I've actually found this to be green and my husband loves green, so that's a very lucky coincidence. But (laughs) green is his favorite color and every time I wear it, he loves it and it also happens to look very nice on me. So I have one scarf that is green and I should honestly wear it more often, but when I do, I always feel like I look my best. It's my favorite scarf and uh, I really love it. And another thing about that too is that if you find a scarf in a color that you love, maybe two, 
You don't have to have a scarves in a million colors. I'm saying this as much to me as to you guys because I know I have a lot of scarves. <laughs> and maybe at the end of the day, I can declutter them because if it's gonna be right up against my face, I should choose colors that really accentuate my, my best features. So that is my classic tip of the day. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to the Classic Girls Guide. I loved chatting with you guys today. Let me know all of your thoughts in the comments. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you guys in my next episode. Bye!